Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. found it interesting there's been some very interesting discussion today from the first hour dealing with the ability to carry a firearm here in arkansas without a license to talking about biblical questions in the last hour now into even i this is something i find extremely interesting i am hooked on netflix and mind hunters uh what a great show that is but dr william april is our special guest, and he's a guy who's uh, what you would call a specialist uh, about violent criminals. You know, how are violent criminals made? How do they think? How do they select their victims? How do they do we react under stress? And how can we mitigate risk of violence from these people? That, I think, is the biggest question, and we will get to it during our discussion. Ed Monk uh, has uh, Dr. William April coming in on May 30th from 8.30 in the morning until 5 p.m. at the Whitehall Community Center at 9801 Dollar Way Road in Whitehall. That's on May the 30th. It's $75. You can find out how you can go by going to Eventbrite uh, and buy your tickets there. So let's w- welcome Dr. William April. Doc, thanks for making time for us today. Oh, good morning. I'm very happy to be here. Well, it's great that you had the time. Do you watch Mine Hunters on Netflix? Uh, I did see it. Yes. How how accurate is it? Do you think? Well, it's it. You know, there's a lot of artistic license taken, um, but it, it's uh, it's an extraordinarily well done show, um, especially looking back at that time period when um, you know the understanding of uh, serial homicide offenders or serial killers, as people most often refer to them, was uh, was really in, in its infancy. Uh, there just wasn't much known about this kind of offender uh, in the late 60s, early 70s, uh, even though there was sort of an explosion of that kind of crime. Uh, and, it, and it seemed to sort of uh, not just frighten, but really dazzle and confuse uh, everyone involved. You know, I, I think back to the Manson era, and I remember when that happened. I remember reading the book Helter Skelter. I remember watching uh, the, the the TV produced uh, uh, movie for that event. And I think about it, and I remember it shook America to its core. In fact, they say that the Manson murders of Sharon Tate and Folger and 
Sebring and all the rest of them and La Biancas and whatnot, uh, ended the summer of love in America. Uh, and you think of how many people died in that, and it ain't nothing to what we're seeing today. I mean, what is the big change that's going on here? Well, you know, when um, when when Vincent Bugliosi's book, uh, Helter Skelter, first came out, I think for, for, I mean, it's still a classic, but for most people it was, it was sort of the beginning of the of the true crime genre, uh, and for the first time, you had people taking a long form look uh, at at homicide, uh, at you know a deep dive into the motivations and the history of the people who had you know committed some really spectacularly gruesome murders. Uh, but f- from from the flip side, it was the first time uh, that we had looked at criminals who seemed to have planned what they were doing in a very great amount of detail and were hoping uh, that the facts of what they had done would cause a spectacle, would cause talk. Uh, And that was very, very different, I think, than most people thought of crime, uh, which was just an impulse um, that that people with um, more, uh, you know, greater or lesser impairments uh, would sort of lose control and commit acts. But these were acts that were highly planned and designed to have secondary and even tertiary effects on the country as a whole. That was a very new thing. Uh, and it started a kind of thinking that's never really gone away. Um, you know, to this day, true crime is one of the most popular genres uh, in fiction and nonfiction. Yeah, people want to know why people do these bizarre things. I mean, look, how many books would you estimate have been written about Jack the Ripper? If it's not hundreds, I'd be shocked. Um, you know, in, in cases that are unsolved or unbelievably rich territory, um, you know, the, there's just not there, well, not none, but there's only a limited amount of depth into which you can go about a case where all the facts are known. Um, but a case where the where the killer's never been apprehended uh, is inexhaustible. Um, theory after theory after theory. Um, and the interest doesn't seem to be going anywhere either. And wherever there's uh, demand, there will be supply. Hey, William, Ed Monk here. Uh, I guess I won't see you at TACCON, so I look forward to seeing you in May here. Um, oh, good. I'm really looking forward to it. It was, it was a little bit sad to hear about the uh, the cancellation of the conference, but understandable. Yeah, the Tactical Conference is a conference held every year, February, March, and that's where I first stumbled into uh dr april seminar or parts of it and just was absolutely fascinated with it um am am i correct kind of jumping from the famous serial killers to just the not the average but the ones that we most often have to worry about the ones that we'll experience uh in our homes or in the walmart parking lot am i correct when i say that if you have not worked in law enforcement or in the court system or in the prisons the vast majority of people really don't understand how many of these people are out there and how just how horribly violent and nasty they are. I, th- I think it's true. You know, the, the, the real benefit of true crime, I think, I think can be that people are thinking about crime for the first time. Uh, what most people do is just push it out of their mind and hope it doesn't happen, uh, rather like adverse weather. Um, I, I don't mind the... Um, the analogy to weather, if you thought about um, people actually preparing for it, um, you know, it's a little bit odd in true crime in that you'll get people thinking about crime all the time, but not associating with themselves personally. Uh, it's a little bit like reading about storms, but refusing to buy an umbrella. 
um, it, it's it's a it's a little bit strange when you think about it. And and I think at least the interest in crime should extend to the personal. How does this affect me? What where does it leave me? in terms of preparing for and mitigating what is going to come. Rather like the weather, um, it's always there. All, the, the only question is, to what degree will it impact me personally? Yeah, and, and if you're going to get caught in the rain or not. Exactly right. What I always say is, you know, you, you can't um, change the weather, but you can prepare for it. There you uh, go. The person, who do, the person who doesn't roll up their car windows has a worse experience of the weather than the person who does. Um, and this makes me think of a saying that I, I attribute to you that I've heard you use that I've stolen and using quite a bit that the world to prepare for violence, you have to first admit that the world is not as it ought to be. Yeah, it's it's always strange to, to hear yourself quoted, but uh, but I do appreciate it. <laughs> but I, I, I usually use a, a second part to that, um, you know, acknowledge and accept. Um, you know, accept that the world is not as it ought to be. I mean, the reason you lock your front door uh, is because there are people who aren't authorized who might still try to enter. Um, And that's tough for people. Most people tend to think that the logic is transitive, that it works both ways, that, well, if, if I don't lock my door, meaning I don't think that there are people out there who might try to get in, well, then they don't exist. Uh, it doesn't work that way. I mean, the world is what it is, and we have to come to terms with it uh, or pay the price. We need to get a break in. Let's do that. Dr. William April is our guest. Doctor, do you have a website that people can go to? Uh, sure. April, A-P-R-I-L-L, riskconsulting.com, all sort of squished together, no capitals. Okay. April, risk, rest of that, consulting. Okay, is it dot .com, dot .org, or what? Dot .com. Dot .com. All right, we're going to come back, talk further with Dr. William April. I'm, I'm letting Ed talk to him right now because my big question is how do we mitigate the risk of violence? We'll talk about that before we let him go here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, if you're trying to get to work by 8 o'clock, you're late. It's uh, 17 minutes after 8 right now. 49 degrees, uh, about a 50% chance of rain tonight, mostly cloudy, low about 53. Tomorrow, showers likely, possibly a thunderstorm, and a high near, are you ready for this, 74 degrees. So it'll be a warm rain, not a cold rain. It's uh, 49 right now here in Little Rock. I'm Dave Ellswick, Dr. William April, and Ed Monk will be back with me in a moment. Okay, a serious question. Do you have endometriosis? Uh, if you don't know what that means, then you probably don't have it. If you're tired of dealing with the pain, then call Applied Research and be part of their study. You have to be a female between the ages of 19 to 49, not pregnant, breastfeeding, or planning to become pregnant. You will need to have had a surgically confirmed diagnosis of endometriosis within the last 10 years, along with additional requirements done by a screening process. You'll be reimbursed for your time and travel expenses if you qualify. If you need more information, here's what you do. You call Applied Research at 501-954-7822. 501-954-7822. This is a study about endometriosis. 
for all of those uh, different uh, things that you have to meet, all the requirements, 501-954-7822. Dave Ellswick Show, our special guest, Dr. William April, that's A-P-R-I-L-L. That's how he pronounces or how he spells his, his last name. Don't forget that he's going to be at the Whitehall Community Center coming up on May the 30th from 8.30 in the morning till 5 in the afternoon, uh, 9801 Dollarway Road in Whitehall, Arkansas. And uh, go on Eventbrite, look under, uh, what's, what's the title of this one? Unthinkable. Unthinkable, all right. Look under Unthinkable, $75.00. On uh, Eventbrite. Is uh, lunch included in that? No, it's not. Okay, so, you know, bring a bag lunch or, you know, you're going to take a break for lunch? Yeah, there'll be a lunch break. Okay, so keep that in mind. And uh, this is just such an interesting subject that's dealing with us right now. So, Dr. April, we've had more and more of this violent crime breaking out. Is it because we got more and more people? Or have they always been there, like The Alienist, the last book that I read that I really loved about this subject, and uh, we just didn't know how to identify them? Or, uh, you know, are we just spawning more of these kind of people? Well, The the Alienist by uh, Caleb Carr is, is a wonderful book. I mean, it really had a, a, a historian's eye for the era and an unbelievable attention to detail in that book and frankly uh if people haven't read it i I wish they would uh it's about the very birth of what you would now call forensic psychiatry um but uh you know it's we've got an interesting sort of seesaw effect in that in that crime in general uh is going down and, and quite markedly in parts of the country uh but the kind of crime that seems to scare people the most these sort of uh highly organized murders um by serial homicide offenders, there's no reason to believe that number is dropping. Uh, if anything, uh, that number appears to be rising. Um, and that's the kind that most frightens us um, because there seems to be such an active uh, intelligence behind it. Uh, I think, you know, we've all gotten to the point where uh, property crimes, you know, robberies, especially, where you know, even a robbery that's gone awry, that sort of makes sense. It's understandable. We don't like it but we can understand the origins of it. But um, homicides where the killing itself is the point, uh, that's really frightening. And and so it's always going to take up a huge percentage of the public's interest. Uh, It doesn't take that many to cast really quite a a, a wide shadow of fear. Uh, William, another thing, I'll quote you again. I think a lot of people don't realize that you, you often say they are not like us. I think a lot of people out there think, well, the criminals, they're good people. They just make some bad choices sometimes. And one of the things you say is they are not like us. You know, I would not stick my knife in your throat for the sheer pleasure of it or to try to get your wallet. But but they would. Can you talk a little about that? Uh, yeah, that's a that's a very tough thing to get people to consider. And that's one of the reasons why we, we call the, the, uh, our flagship course unthinkable is that we're trying to get people to think about it. Um, you know, and it's very difficult uh, to, to look at something that seems to make uh, so little sense. Um, yeah, I, I think the, the easiest way to think about it is sort of parallel tracks um, of living. Uh, actually, in, uh, another way that people might grasp is uh, sports. Uh, if you were playing golf, um, you're taking part in an activity with a specific set of rules. Well, if someone were to suddenly strap on a helmet and shoulder pads and turn and 
tackle you full speed as you were about to drive. Um, that would be a, a shocking breach of the rules of golf. And, and frankly, it would be really confusing. Um, and, and so that's why I think we've got to think about it. You may be playing one game in your regular life, but that doesn't mean somebody else is playing by the same rules. Uh, far from it. They're, they're playing their life by rules that make sense to them. Um, and the problem is the, the, the gap between those, those competing um, sets of rules about what's happening in life can leave the, the normal everyday citizen who expects others to follow the rules, uh, that can leave that normal everyday citizen sort of stunned uh, into inactivity and not really able to respond well. And um, not being able to process what's going on and take appropriate action is what gets people killed. Uh, so what I often say is whether you think you're playing or not, uh, you're in uniform and on the field, and you have to get your mind up to the speed of the game that's actually being played, not the game that you wish were being played. So hopefully turning people's psyche into from, oh, my God, what's going on? I can't believe this is happening. Why is this happening to, oh, crud, it's happening to me right now, so i got to deal with it. Exactly, and, and, and to the point where it's as automatic as the safety measures we take when we're driving. Uh, I mean, when you get in your car, you buckle your seatbelt for a reason. Uh, virtually none of us would drive a car without airbags on purpose. Uh, we carry a spare tire. And none of those things are because we plan on having a bad outcome. We don't get into the car and say, boy, I hope I get into an accident. That's why I have these airbags. Uh, we rely on them at this point automatically. Uh, so what I'd like to do is, is get people to start the process of extending that, that mindset of making the preparations automatic or as automatic as possible uh, to the area of crime, not just car malfunctions and car accidents. So these violent people that prey on everyday citizens, they, they, they can't choose every single citizen to attack. So they have to be selective, uh, and that's some of the things I'm sure you're going to talk about in the seminar, but could you talk just briefly about that, about what we know about how they select the people they attack? Well, sure. Uh, when I first started working as a sheriff's deputy, uh, before the dawn of time, it seems now, but uh, I was a regular old sheriff's deputy, and um, it was my first, I was a very young guy, and it was my first exposure to, to criminals on a, on a real concentrated level. And I didn't, frankly, didn't know very much about them. Um, I just assumed they were um, a little bit like dogs, sort of driven by instinct more than anything else. And I just assumed that like a dog, when they saw something attractive, they just took it. Um, but it turns out over time that, that you can learn from them that there's a, a pretty involved process of picking and unpicking victims. They're constantly looking for appropriate victims, but only certain people pass muster, if you will, um, you know, that, that qualify themselves as acceptable victims. Um, and so there's this constant um, filtering uh, of the population around a career violent criminal looking for that person who best fits the mold uh, of a good victim. Um, and so, you know, the, the first and foremost thing I think that people can work on is attention. Are they paying attention to their surroundings? Are they taking in information from the world around them and processing it and making changes? Uh, you don't have to spend long on the Internet to find, a, you know, video uh, surveillance or otherwise of people making terrible decisions. 
or seeming to do inexplicable things, um, mostly by refusing to change their behavior, even though they're getting information from the world, people walking into puddles or wet concrete or falling off the edges of things. Uh, they're everywhere, and, and the, the foundation is, is that concept. We're so caught up in our heads or our phones or anything else that we're just not taking in information from the world, and that is the first and foremost thing that will always attract the attention of a violent criminal. Dr. William April is our guest talking about violent criminals. We'll continue our discussion after the break, and we will answer the questions, how do they select victims and how do we mitigate risk of violence? All that's coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's uh, 49 degrees, almost 830. That means it's time for Sean Hannity right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're back. Dr. William April, our guest, and uh, he talks about an area of crime I think a lot of people have, like myself, I call it a morbid interest. I mean, I'll be honest with you, doctor. I'm interested in the mafia, too. I grew up outside of Chicago. I don't understand that whole thing. It's only business as you're putting a bullet in the back of your head. But the bottom line is, it's really interesting, to say the least, to try to figure out how are these people thinking. And it's the same thing with with serial killers and people who go in and just, you know, if they don't have some kind of terrorist backing or whatever, decide they're mad at the world and want to kill people indiscriminately or the husband who walks into his home and kills his wife, kills his, his kids because he doesn't want them to be around because he's going to kill himself. I mean, I just don't understand that. And it's that area that makes me want to ask questions. Oh, I understand. You know, the, the, the scariest thing is the inexplicable. Uh, and, and all of the, in all those kinds of cases that you talked about, let's say from a, from an organized crime standpoint, like in uh, La Cosa Nostra, right, or, or other kinds of criminal enterprises, folks have chosen uh, a completely alien moral universe. Yes. Right and wrong. Yeah, right and wrong are redefined. And that makes the rest of us extraordinarily uncomfortable because we presume that there's a shared set of basic fundamental values that, that we can disagree about lots of things, but that the absolute foundations of what you will and won't do well, those are pretty standard. Well, and by and large, they are. But there will always be a number, and it's a substantial non-zero number, of uh, people who go another way. Uh, they choose another way of organizing the world, another way of thinking, believing, feeling that drives their actions. And what we have to do is recognize that very little is random, unquote, or accidental, unquote, or chaotic. Uh, these things are organized. They're just not organized in a way that makes any sense to us. But, but again, I hate to keep I hate to keep making analogies to driving, but you can drive a car well and safely and not understand anything about how internal combustion engines work. Yeah. All I ask is that we accept the reality that is, not necessarily understand it. Hmm. Yeah. I. Yeah. I. I I'm... I, I just read these books because I don't understand, and I, I look for somebody maybe to make a little bit of what I con- consider logical sense out of what mm-hmm. I consider is the illogical. However, to the person who's illogical, his his being illogical is logic to him. Absolutely. It's, it's a little bit like growing up on a different planet. You'd understand different wavelengths of light, and different sensations of gravity. But those are the rules that govern your world. 
Well, it's it, it's it's unnerving to find uh, uh, you know an alien, so to speak, uh, on our planet. Well, on their planet, we'd be the aliens. Um, and so uh, we have to grasp the fact that even if we don't understand it, uh, it does have the power to affect us. Uh, we don't get a free pass just because we're following the rules. Um, and and we've got to come to grips with the fact that the the world as it is can influence us just like the tides or gravity. Um, and we've got to get ready for it. So, like, in our world with the morals and ethics that we live in, if somebody has something that we want, we offer to buy it from them. Or if somebody we think has wronged us, uh, then we go to the courts for redress. That's our system. What's their system? Uh, mostly Mike makes right, um, you know, over and over and over again in, in interviewing um, street-level offenders, violent offenders. Uh, they don't understand that we can't make the connection that they do. They see something, they want it, they take it. It's a very straight line uh, and a very direct causal morality. We have all these other uh, concerns about how can I, how could I get it legitimately? How could I do the work to make sure that something uh, could become mine? Well, they view that as very much um, a, a digression. Uh, they see very much in straight lines between what they want and um, the ability to take it. And that ability is based in um, force and the threat of force. So these people that think and act differently than us, are they made that way at the human factory? Are they wired that way, or do they become that way, or both? Uh, a little bit of both, uh, and also the combinations. Um, you know, you'll get folks who, who had a normal set of genes, and then their environment was so prejudicial uh, they were raised in, in an environment so completely dedicated to to the use of force as what drives right and wrong that they get swept along for the ride, just like folks caught in a, in a terrible river rapids. Um, then you get folks who are, you know, as I put it, from the manufacturer, uh, just wired differently. Um, they view themselves as very much outside the human rules, uh, and they set their own. Um and without anything to guide them, any, any higher structures to sort of adhere to other than their sense of what's right and wrong, uh, they can do whatever they want. Um, but where the rubber meets the road uh, or, or where the tire iron meets the head, it doesn't really matter to me which one you're facing in the moment. Uh, what matters to me is getting our minds up to the speed that we can uh, react and respond effectively immediately not weighted down by the judgments or the lack of understanding. All right. So how do they go about selecting their victims? If there's one thing I've learned from Ted Bundy and reading about him and watching documentaries on him, he was very specific on the people that he chose. So how do they go around selecting victims? And how do you know somebody's selecting you as a victim? Uh, that, that's a wonderful point. Uh, you don't. And so I feel like you should presume that you're being assessed all the time. And that, that's not paranoia. Um, think about it a little bit like a thought exercise. If I told you that for the next 24 hours, someone was going to be watching to plan an attack on you, and in the next 24 hours, you're going to give them information that will lead to their decisions about whether or not to attack you and how, well, what would you do different in the next 24 hours? The answer is everything. You would do everything different. Mm -hmm. you, would spend the you would spend the next 24 hours sending messages that you're not someone to be trifled with. 
Um, well, I, I'd like us to, to presume that we're being targeted, observed all the time and send messages that that's not a good idea uh, actively and passively to have things in our lives give off uh, to any p- potential observer the message that we're serious, that we take this seriously and that it's not going to be easy because the simple fact is violent criminals are choosing for easy more than anything else. They don't walk around saying, who would put up the most effective resistance? They walk around saying, who would offer no resistance? Yeah, just like a burglar would. Exactly right. If you're a burglar and looking at two houses, one with the front door wide open and the other with it locked uh, and a burglar alarm in place, which one would you choose? Mm-hmm. The one the one that presents the most easy outcome that you want, not the most difficult. Uh, so our job is to send into the world, and we presume there are bad actors in the world looking at us and observing. We want to send them a message that works for us, not a message that works for them. All right. We just got a few moments before I want to take break. Uh, Dr. April is with us, Dr. William April. I'll tell you before the end of uh, the time that he's with us when you can personally sit under his tutelage. He'll be uh, doing a event coming up in the near future right here in central Arkansas. So, You know, I've been reading all these articles lately about how they're trying to be able to manipulate the brain. And there was one doctor, I think it was a neurosurgeon, if I'm not mistaken, and he thought that he had mapped out the area of the brain that made violent criminals violent. And then he did a CT scan of himself, and he found out that his mapping was almost identical to a violent criminal. So there's something different there, but they're still struggling with what it is. So how are we going to mitigate the risk of violence from these people? We've talked a little bit about how we prepare ourselves, but there is, a, is there an area in the future that you see where mentally they're going to be able to go in and change things in people's minds? It, it, it's, a, it's a huge subject of, of controversy and debate and sort of never-ending research. Um, you know, only now uh, is there some agreement that you can detect the kind of brain structures that will lead um, folks to become dangerous and violent criminals. Um, And so at least there's some hope that that there's an objective measure where you can detect these people on paper or on a scan rather than just observing their behavior. Uh, The reason that's hopeful is is it leads to the potential that there's some sort of treatment involved. Um, but I think no matter what we do, we're, it's going to be quite a ways down the road before there's any effective medical treatment. At this point, you're really just thinking about identification first and foremost. Uh, is there any way to uh, detect uh, kinds of acti- uh, brain activities in, in young children, let's say? Because the younger that any kind of intervention could start, any kind of treatment could start, the greater likelihood that we could make some change. But once someone's uh, already an active, violent criminal, it's going to be very tough to do a, a medical treatment that would change their behavior. Dr. William April, you can see him, learn from him personally, May the 30th, 8.30 in the morning at 5 p.m. at the Whitehall Community Center at 9801 Dalloway Road in Whitehall. It's $75 to uh, go to the event and you can find your ticket or buy your ticket at Eventbrite, and the link is under Unthinkable. 
And I highly recommend, if you've been interested in what he's been saying this last uh, about 45 minutes, he's got a whole lot more to uh, share with you. Doctor, thanks so much for the time. This has been really, really interesting. Thank you for having me, and I hope we'll, uh, we'll see some of your many listeners there. I'm sure, we, I'm sure we will. Thank you very much, Dr. William April. He said April, what was his website again, uh, Ed? I, I can look it up. We'll find it. We'll give it to you before the end of the show. we got to get our final break in here on the morning show, Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, 49 degrees, uh, 14 minutes till 9. When we come back, big news on besides coronavirus. This this story actually blew coronavirus out of the number one spot when it came out. I'll tell you what it is when we return on the Dave Ellswick Show. 